and blessings to all you lovely listeners. This is Caleb Truth, and you're now listening to Beyond the Veil on InnerLightRadio.com, where we go beyond the surface level of reality and dive deep to reveal hidden truths and exciting revelations. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Today we have a special guest on the show, and his name is David Tien. He's a speaker, an author, an educator, and a former dating coach and a university professor. So this told is this conversation will be totally awesome. We're going to be talking today about uh, dating tips, how to consciously engage in dating, how to like connect with the right people or the right potential partners. And then once you in, get into a relationship, how you maintain a healthy relationship. And then once you're married, how do you maintain a healthy marriage? So David has a whole bunch of tips about all these things, a lot of wisdom. You, you can check him out on Instagram. He has an amazing feed. I found him on Instagram. I think someone sent me his post uh, in a message on Instagram, I think about a month ago. And as soon as I got onto his feed, I was like, wow, this brother is wise. He has so much wisdom. And I was so excited. I started messaging him right away on on, on his posts. And I was like, I gotta have him on my show. So thank you so much, David, for being on the show today. My pleasure, man. It's good to to speak to a fellow Torontonian too. It'll be yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So go back to that. Like when you and I were talking in our initial Skype call, you mentioned how uh, you spent some time in Toronto. So like, can you can you uh, tell my listeners a little bit about that part of your journey? Oh yeah, I was born in Taiwan, and then at around four years old. We immigrated to the States, and then I think uh, about four years later or so, we moved to Toronto. And then we bounced around like Scarborough to Mississauga, back to Scarborough, ended up in Mississauga, and then I uh, stayed there for basically 20 years. And I, w- I did my undergrad at, uh, at the University of Toronto, the downtown campus. Um, did two years at McGill to start. Um, so I was very much a Canadian boy growing up. Um, but then the last, what, 15 years or so, 13 years, I've been in Asia, so right now I'm I'm in Bangkok, uh, almost the exact opposite time zone from uh, from home. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> it's been a while. But I, I moved out here to do my dissertation research out here, being uh, Asia. Uh, started off in China for four years, and then took up a post at the National University of Singapore at the uh, to be a professor in the Department of Philosophy, and uh, just loved it out here in Southeast Asia. So I I basically just when I went full time into my company, I, I stayed out here. Wow. So well, what an exciting journey that is. Like you've really like lived a pretty full life, it seems, up <laughs> until now. Yeah, it feels like I've lived three, at least three full lifetimes just because when I look back at photos of myself in my 20s or, or connect with my friends from, from that period, it feels like it was a, it was a lifetime ago. So I had uh, up until about the age of 30, I was training basically as an evangelist for for the gospel and becoming a professor was was part of that like becoming a witness in the academy so to speak to uh to represent christ you know the christians and Mm -hmm. then sort of falling out of that and having a crisis of faith and then moving into well if i'm not supposed to be living for the glory of god and all this then what is there that i'm missing out on i didn't have any fun in my 20s so mm-hmm. I was like scrambling around trying to have fun and catching up with, with my friends who had been having fun all this time and, and then exploring that for about a decade and finding the emptiness and just pursuing pleasure. <laughs> and then finally coming back to spirituality and, and, the, and deeper, the deeper meaning of life. So a lot of my philosophy training came in uh, at that point as well as a lot of the psychology I was studying by then. And now I'm a life coach and I specialize in men's issues, especially dating. That's how they usually find me. And um, this is this is a, a pretty meaningful uh, career for me right now. And it just tracks my own personal growth. Mm-hmm. So what on your journey, like ignited you on the path away from become or being this evangelist, this Christian evangelist into like other forms of spirituality? Like what was it that triggered that? Well, the there are the philosophical arguments that I could, that no one could answer. So I, I literally so I was a, a member of the Society of Christian Philosophers, and I went to all of these different conferences and presented papers on my difficulties intellectually with 
with uh, evangelical Christianity or conservative Christianity, and none of the authorities uh, in this area had any answers for me. They just you know, pulled me aside sometimes at, over beer or whatever or, or coffee and told me, you know, David, these are really tough questions. <laughs> there aren't any easy answers. So eventually I just answered to these questions. These are actual real objections. So that contributed to the, also the emotional um, breakdown of, of my faith in a way where things weren't coming together as they were, um, as they were supposed to. And I felt unhappy a lot. And mm -hmm. um, this led to me saying, well, screw this. Maybe this is actually not true. And that's why I'm not happy. And let me see if, if evolution is true. Because conservative Christianity I'm referring to is, was at that, that time against uh, evolution as like the big picture explanation of things. Mm -hmm. And I embraced that. So if evolution was the way that we came to be. Well, then what would what would that mean? And uh, so, so I learned how to become better at dating and mating and uh, becoming more attractive, understanding that part of, of our psychology, which is a, a very uh, Machiavellian. right? It doesn't really have room for virtue or, or morality, uh, but uh, the seeking of pleasure. And then, of course, that led to em emptiness. I think a lot of your listeners might understand that part. But it took it took me a while to discover that because I, I, it wasn't self-evident. And, uh, so I guess you can see you're kind of like a hedonist in some way. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I pursued hedonism as a life uh, a calling for like five years at least, you know, just like going clubbing, um, having fun, um, amassing enough money to have fun with, uh, pursuing sexual opportunities and all of this and just having fun. Because I, I didn't have any fun in the 20s. I lived like a monk almost. Mm -hmm. And I made up for that. And then I realized, man, after all these drunken nights, um, you know, a lot of these friends that you make along that in that path aren't really your friends. Right. And then yes. um, they're all sort of using each other as in a way yes. you were too. Right. You're yes. using them to look good or to get in for free or to get this other free stuff. I'm so happy you or, brought that up because I came to that realization, too, on my journey when I was in my 20s. And then I like I stopped clubbing. I barely drank anyway, but I stopped all that stuff. I'm like, I need to connect with some mm. more real people. Yeah. Right. And even now, as, as I'm washing off that karma in a way, there were people who stuck around who were my friends, and but then they didn't grow personally, and they didn't embrace the clinical psychology that I'd been uh, preaching to them for the past four years, and they didn't follow me on that, and they still have all of these neuroses and insecurities that they're living out, and they don't, they're not aware of it, and it's infectious. Actually, thinking is infectious, and um, that's just something I'm, I'm now dealing with a lot of these People attend. It turns out that they're not quite virtuous, <laughs> or they don't understand virtue, or that's not even a priority. They'll mm -hmm. screw you over if if they can't get stuff out of you anymore. You know, like you're together with them as long as it's mutually beneficial. But you know, the moment they would be disadvantaged by associating with you, or, or um, they'd have to put themselves out in some way. Uh, you know, that that's when they start withdrawing. And I, I'm like, man, well, these are the friends I made back from back then. What, you know, so unless there was some conversion experience to to virtue uh, or to goodness, um, this is what I should have expected. Uh, but it's, it's so it's like I've had at least three major phases of my life um, where, where I, there are completely different people that I journey with in, in these times. Mm -hmm. And I think along my journey, like I started seeing a lot of the same patterns socially. Or like you just mentioned, like people would only associate with you. They could benefit from you in some way. And then mm. if you broke some kind of social norm, immediately they would disappear from your life. Mm. And, wow. and I think I realized that like really early on, like probably from like the age of nine and being in grade four, I saw those kind of patterns. And then in, like at that period of time, I already decided, screw everybody. I'm going to be me, do me. If they don't like it, too bad. And if that means I'm going to be alone for a while, then so be it. And that's the opposite happened. Like, I thought like, oh, you know, like I'm not going to have any friends. But in actuality, me living in that realness, that authenticity actually end up magnetizing and attracting more people. And mm. then I realized like, wow, this is what it really means to be in your true power and what it means to like kind of attract the right kinds of people into your life. And I think I just kind of live, live by that ever since. Even though yes. I, I go in, in and out of different phases where, you know, there's some trolls hanging around in your social you know, social groups. But um, I think when you live in your authenticity, they either like rise, like, like, like your, your, like your friends didn't, they either rise their in consciousness and their, their thinking 
in their way in the way that they are and they adapt and they change and they evolve or they just kind of fade out of your reality because you basically outgrow them yes. but going going a little bit deeper on your journey when you're going through these phases of hedonism and then you kind of grew out of that and then you wanted to have more meaningful relationship like on your journey what triggered you at that point to get into exploring dating and the, the hardships and the, and the uh, difficulties that men have with dating? Oh, well, the dating uh, research was part of entering hedonism. <laughs> so uh, dating, like just broadly defined as um, hooking up or casual dating. So as a monk, monkish type of Christian, I didn't have any real social skills. Like if we didn't have anything in common, there was no, I didn't have the skills to, to broach, to even start a conversation, right? So <laughs> I had to learn that from scratch. But the people I was most, most interested in learning how to start conversations with were attractive women. <laughs> so <laughs> as, a, as a heterosexual young man, and I had to learn that. And there were, so I naturally gravitated toward where the most attractive, or it seemed like just by looking, the most attractive women happened to be congregated. And those were like nightlife scenes, right? Bars and clubs. And that's a special scenario for like starting conversations and i got i just dove into that and devoted way too many late nights to that and years of my liver to that and mm. uh, i got good at, at at that part like just the casual dating stuff and there's a there's a point at which you want to go deeper in with connection and and it gets very tiring physically just going out all the time and you have new priorities you want to accomplish new things in your career or whatever so um, new priorities took hold, but interestingly, I switched to these new priorities, and I've seen I've seen my friends do that over the years, where they switch priorities. Maybe they have they get married and have a kid or something, and now they think, okay, now I'm grown up, I'm a dad, and I'm going to be more mature. But that if they don't make the inner change, and it's just an outer forcing on them, because I have friends who like the girlfriend just gets knocked up, and he's like, oh dang, and now I'm going to marry her, and and he thinks, okay, this is just going to make me grow up, and. It, it might work for a couple of years, but then because he never wrestled with his inner demons and never resolved those unfinished issues, uh, he goes, he like he's acting out now, you know, on the sly or he's, mm -hmm. he's trying to look for excuses to go on long business trips and party. Oh, wow. And, like that. Eh? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's pretty common because they haven't uh, dealt with it. Like and the other way to do it is just to collapse in on yourself. I have friends who do that, who just sort of they just sort of die inside and there's no sex in the marriage anymore and they just sort of give up. And they think, okay, I'm I'm going to live for my kid now, and it's all about that, and um, which which is an honorable thing, but not if it's a resignation, like mm -hmm. settling, right? So they've never actually grown up; they've just been forced to go through the motions on the outside, like externally of growing up. And, I'm so glad he brought all these mm -hmm. things up because I think there is some kind of a social program that that runs through certain uh, uh, communities where it's like, oh yeah, you know. Don't worry, he'll grow up after he gets married or has a kid, and he'll, you know, it'll be fine. But like, like you just said, that's not the case. Like all these inner demons in 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 the man kind of get bur uh, buried, and then it kind of starts to come out in different ways in the marriage, and it starts to cause conflict because oh, yeah. they haven't yet really come into full awareness, understanding of who they are and what their purpose is. And I Absolutely, think this is why divorce yeah. rate is so high out there because sometimes both partners haven't reached that level of awareness. And then, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're butting heads, there's ego battles, and then, I don't know, maybe they realize yeah. they don't have a lot of the same things in common. I don't know, but you do, like, life coaching, and you, you coach men also, you know, on dating and relationships. So what, are you, what do you feel are the top things that men struggle with in dating? Well, the, the, the landscape of men in the Western world has changed a lot in the past even just 10 years. And the whole mating, dating world, like mating, including marriage, has changed a lot in the past you know, decade. And there is a rise of really bitter men. I think it's as a response to uh, the rise of uh, like the hashtag MeToo movements and, and, a, and a, the strength of a kind of radical feminism that's taken over. Uh, media um, in some like it's just very visible right so mm -hmm. especially on the coast where a lot of my audience or my um, listeners were so or are and there's uh, a bit so there's this bitterness so you, you've heard about these attacks by incels i don't know if you've heard of uh, the men's rights activists and there's a, another movement called migtow men go their own way which is wow. getting more and more traction like these guys just keep commenting on my my videos it's very hateful stuff 
And I, I have to sit there like decide because I don't want to leave this to my staff. I'm trying to decide, should we publish this one? It's just full of hate. <laughs> or should we, mm -hmm. you know, if he's saying something interesting, I might publish it. And then there's, a, there's another one called Red Pill, the Red Pill Movement. And these are all basically related to a kind of backlash from men against the radical feminism and, and uh, the demonization of, of men in the West. And a big part of that has to do with the fact what we were talking about earlier is you attract like attracts like you attract mm -hmm. the energy you put out. Yes. And I know a lot of these guys tried to do. There's another movement that's is basically dead in the mainstream, which is called PUA, pickup artists. And they're oh on the world. Yep. I so, have a lot yes. that, that went into that pickup artist movement and then kind of <laughs> crashed and burned. It didn't really work. Yeah, you know, it wasn't politically correct. And yeah, and. And it didn't work for a lot of the guys who tried it. So I think that was a big part of it, too. But when it first came out, there was like this optimism around it that the guys would gravitate towards that. So I know a lot of these guys at least picked up a book or two or tried it and it didn't work for them. But the, the way that the PUA training will take you to is to these nightclubs and bars or mm -hmm. to what they call day games. So you start trolling the Starbuckses and things like that. The whole thing oh, like pick up women. Anyway, this, these guys will try it and they get rejected. Right. And especially if. Um, they're in, in the nightclub scene, they get rejected hard. And then they, the, not just from the rejections do they get bitter, but also because even if they do get success, they start to get success with women who are like them because they're, they'd attract the like energy. So this is a, this is a codependent insecurities, like these core insecurities that these guys have. Mm -hmm. um, and they're compensating with a narcissistic personality. So, so PUA basically teaches you how to be a narcissist because it's, studies have shown that narcissists tend to have more sexual partners and, and so on. Right. So wow. they end up playing this like cold figure, right? Like push, pull, hot and cold kind of thing. And um, even when they go direct, it's sort of like this James Bond narcissist. Right. Like it's, <laughs> it's really all about James Bond, not the women. Right. And, and then they it's, just, it's ironic that in the books and the movies, the women usually die. The ones that he hooks up with <laughs> exactly. early in the movie, right? They get painted in gold. Or yeah, something. he should have a, I mean, like a thing on his forehead. This is like, beware of death. <laughs> like, right. You know? Yeah. If you hook up with me, you're going to die in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so so that's like the, that's their uh, icon, right? They want to be like James Bond or a James Bond type of figure. So they pretend to be they take on the mannerisms of this person, of this narcissist, and then they attract female narcissists and then the female narcissists cheat on them. So I've, I've had. I have the experience of go, being on the inside of this whole cycle. And then there are this compensatory narcissist. That's the clinical term for it. They're compensating as narcissists. And they meet a pure narcissist, a person who's been a narcissist since early teenage years or, for even, or even earlier. And as, a, as a, like a, a, a veteran vampire, you know, kills the, the fresh vampire. Oh you know, that's actually what <laughs> happens. So these, these guys, they, they try to be narcissists. They attract other like, narcissists into their lives. The, the other narcissists are much better at narcissism than they are because they just learned it. And they out-narc the, the ones who've just learned it. So they cheat on them, lie, lie to them, and all of this other stuff. And then they, these guys come out of it thinking, all women are like this. All mm. women are cheating, lying, sluts, and hoes, and you can't be trusted, and they're evil. And then uh, the red pill and MGTOW will take it even further that the feminine energy itself is corrupted and wow. evil and it's wild and is by nature going to cheat on you. So there's this whole obsession with that's so sad. They call it right. And I wonder, I wonder if these men that, that that have you know taken on these these social or mental programs, emotional programs. I wonder if they actually take a minute and consider their mothers. You know, like oh, is my oh, mom my, like that? Totally like, right. <laughs> I, that's what I'm talking about. Like I'll go to these, I'll do events live, and I'm looking into their eyes connecting with these guys and saying and, and i just spent three hours describing how this the patterns that you're that are playing out in your dating life and in your marriage are a reflection of the unfinished business from your childhood yes. do you see that now let's do an experiment like ex, like exercise where you reflect on your own and then we'll talk about it. and man there's just so it's like they're just deaf to that they're mm -hmm. just not there's a part of them that blocks that from entering their brains or mm -hmm. they haven't hit rock bottom yet so that's a big thing that I've been I've been pushing for the past few years, just trying to get these guys to see that the one of the, the most basic thing is the reason you're attracting all of these women into your life or the reason you're attracted to these women and um, that you think they're that all women are like this is because of the energy you're putting out. You're actually the root of the problem. If if every relationship you, you have is toxic, you're the one thing in common among all of those relationships. 
you're the problem. Yes. Like, I remember you posted something on your on your Instagram about that. When I saw that and I was like, oh, shame. I was like, that's going to hit some people hard. It's just logic, right? Let's look at you because these guys refuse to look in the mirror at themselves. Like, that's where you point at yourself first. And yes, the women themselves have failings, of course. And it just, you know, they're just as culpable or more. Maybe they're more to blame because they were the active party in the cheating. But, you know, you're, you can't fix them. You have to take responsibility for your own life and not get, you can, and not get bitter. I mean, that's what's happening a lot in, in the Western world. In the 15 years ago, you could just teach a guy dating tips, right? You could just say, um, get your fashion under control, you know, and, and uh, be more outgoing and be more adventurous. And here's some ways to do that. Now they're like, yeah, I've heard that kind of stuff. I don't want to, you know, stand up straight and things like that. I, you know, I, I want to learn how to find a good woman. I'm like, okay, great. But then all of the things that they're doing is turning off good women. Like good women wouldn't even be interested in talking mm-hmm. to them. So they don't, they don't actually get to know any good women. Because now, on that, on that note, quickly, I want to I want to read a quote from your Instagram uh, page here. And you said it is better for you to lose the girl being your true self than to get the girl mm-hmm. being fake. And he said most people, though, haven't been their true selves for a very long time. When I saw mm-hmm. that, I was like, oh, man, that's mm-hmm. deep. That's really deep because I know that for a fact this is an issue for a lot of people out there, both men and women, where they've gotten used to like putting on an act or like, you know, behaving in a certain way that they felt was more socially acceptable. And then they get stuck in that act, wearing that mask. They disc- they, they become so disconnected from their true authentic selves. And then they wonder why when they want to get into a relationship, they're, you know, attaching themselves to all the wrong kinds of people and then are still feeling empty at the end of the day. And it's because they're not really, you know, from my, in my opinion, from my experience, they're not really, you know, putting out the right energy. That they're living in that authenticity, living in that integrity. Because, like you said earlier, you know, the vibes you put out is what comes back. So, yeah, when you when you put that on your Instagram, I was like, yes, that is so legit. Yeah, thank you. Uh, absolutely, there, there are actually two levels, at least two levels to that. Like the the most um, basic level that hopefully these guys can understand is <clears throat> that they're concerned with. Um, like, for, I'll give you a common one. I get a question about text messaging and uh, pretty commonly in, in the Facebook groups that I manage. And it's like, should I text this girl after 24 hours or, you know, mm-hmm. I really want to text her, but I don't want to come across as needy. But I know I shouldn't because she hasn't replied to like my last three texts and, and this sort of thing. And it's it's if you have to exert a lot of willpower to not do something that you want to do then you're not being your true self. Like, mm-hmm. and, and you're not going to grow as your true self unless you follow that path. And that path might be that you let out the fact that you have to confront the fact that you have this need that's, un, that's not met. Like this need for connection or love or approval or to feel significant that is not being met and you're looking for this woman to meet it, this girl you just met or something. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why you're needy. But if you just pretend like you don't, you're not needy, like you pretend like you're fine, but you're not fine, then it's just a matter of time before this whole thing blows up in your face. Exactly. If you, if you do connect with her and you get vulnerable, you become vulnerable and you get attached, it's just you're, you're going to have to confront that, right? So at the most basic level, it's getting to who you are, trying to understand why you have these emotions that are so hard for you to control instead of uh, from the outside trying to rein it in, but thinking from the inside instead um, what are these unmet needs that I have? What's this neediness? What's what's at the root of it? So I created a whole course just for that. It's called wow. Heart. And it's just to help you through a series of guided meditations and seminars, how to get at the root of your unmet needs and figure out ways that you can meet them yourself in healthy ways. So that when That's you incredible. do meet a woman that you like, you're not looking for her to meet your needs, right? Because that's like fundamental neediness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so. So that's like at a basic level, figuring that. And then, and then there's another level where guys are like, um, but my true self isn't attractive. My true self is this nerdy, shy, awkward guy. Hey, that could be I'm sexy like, to a lot of women. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, if that's who he's most comfortable being, he's best being that all the time. Because, right? Like, because then the woman who likes that will respond to that. Other, exactly. If he's, just, if he's trying to pretend to be James Bond, you know, it's not going to work for him in the long run. Uh, mm-hmm. but, that, but even at a deeper level, that's not really his true self either. That's just one persona that 
that he's learned to play or put on as a mask when he was younger. And he's gotten so comfortable with that mask. It's almost like it's fused to his face. Right. He yes. thinks mistakenly that this shy guy is him. But there's a part in all of us. Even you can see this in children when they're first born, like when they're just walking around and exploring life, that there's a part of them that is playful and outgoing and outspoken and and just goes after what he wants and shoves food into his mouth and doesn't. Yeah. Care, you know, there, that part of, is in all of us. And there is a part in all of us that's confident and, and um, charismatic and compassionate and and all these like centered, all these things that we want to be like clear. Um, and if we can access that part, that part is actually our true self. So that's the deeper yes. level yes. that we have in us all this kind of divine nature that we for, for many of us, we've tapped into occasionally. But that part is actually our true self. And the rest of the time, we're just playing these other parts. And we're not aware of that, that you can change who you present to the world. And all of these different parts that you have, these masks, they can be equally part of you, especially if they're already internalized and you're comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. It's such so a huge synchronicity for me that you just brought that up. Like I was just on a, another friend's uh, podcast last night. And I mentioned the exact same thing. And actually, even before the podcast, like the, the day prior, I was sitting in a cafe with a friend of mine and him and I were observing these kids in the cafe. And we said the exact same thing, you know, that like that's where the magic is at, is tapping back into your own inner child and living in that space where you're not afraid to offend. You're not afraid to just go and explore and get some bumps and bruises. You're, you're just excited to just be alive. You're tapping into full 100 percent consciousness and, and conscious awareness. You're purely present in the moment so as soon as you brought that up yeah. i was like wow like we're, i'm tapping into some magic here <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah so yeah a big part of finding a true self is being able to encounter your inner child and man so all of this goes back to the necessary step of of encountering your inner child you know and healing your inner child and you'll discover that <clears throat> We have many inner children. Like, so we might have perhaps perceived trauma when we were three years old, seven years old, nine, ten, you know, in, in the various points, right? So <clears throat> being able to go back to each of those points that have made us and shaped us and where we created new personas as a result of trying to cope with that perceived trauma, that's all, those are all necessary parts of real mature, maturation and getting to your true strength. And and allowing your true self to take leadership of like your whole system of parts right in you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we got to go on a, uh, on a quick break, but when we come back, I want to like dive a little bit deeper with you uh, into the realm of relationships and like your coaching in that area and like tips for people to keep it hot, keep it fresh and to not fall into like destructive, boring patterns. Hmm. So yeah, we'll be right back. Uh, We'll see you back here in a few minutes. change your life you've come to the right place my name is Caleb truth and i'm your catalyst dedicated to sharing good vibes mind expanding and heart-centered information knowledge is power in this fast-paced world it is so easy to get distracted by the matrix and miss out on connecting with the right people and information that will truly help you in living your best life on this radio program i save you time and energy 
by sharing awesome people, new discoveries, life solutions, and wisdom to help you take action and create a positive shift in your life. I invite you to join me and share in this exciting adventure. Listen to Beyond the Veil on innerlightradio.com every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Beyond the Veil, inspiring conscious evolution. For the best in metaphysical, spiritual, and holistic programming, you're listening to innerlightradio.com, the healing frequency. All right, and we're back. So for those of you who are just joining us, I'm here talking to David Tien. This brother is very talented and and is very wise. He's a speaker, author, educator, former dating coach, and university professor. And today we've been talking about uh, men in the world of dating and how they've engaged in dating in a, in a toxic, unhealthy way, tips on how to um, improve that. And so now we're going to be talking about the evolution of that. Once they get into relationship, how to maintain healthy relationship and how to keep it hot and fresh and not allow things to fall into like stagnation. So just before we like dive deeper here, I want to read a quote that's on um, your Instagram page. And you said, relationship problems are never problems in the relationship. They are always firstly personal problems, conflicts in the psychology of the individuals. That was pretty epic. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, so a lot of guys who become bitter in the relationships or in dating, they blame the other party. Right. Or they think at a very superficial level that they didn't have the right um, line or uh, story that they didn't tell. Um, but really what's at issue is to figure out why you were attracted to somebody who ended up making you bitter and um, what is in you, what in you attracted that or was attracted to it. Or, you know, so all of that, it goes back to our deeper psychological issues from our childhood. So that's where it all comes back to and in a relationship the reason there are these difficulties is because of these unresolved issues um, from childhood mm. so what are the steps that uh, people can take men in general when they're in a relationship and they're coming across problems like how can they start to uh, perform some kind of like self-diagnostic so they can improve things yeah so i've got there's, there's an easy way to think about it, the two Ps, okay? So, and then I'll give three, and then there's like three other things you can think of. But the two Ps are the easiest, uh, presence and polarity. So even if mm. you're dating before a relationship or you're in a relationship, the biggest problem that, I mean, the easiest way to fix things is to be present. Like, because that's, you can't do anything else unless you have presence. And presence doesn't mean like how big you spread your body out and stuff like that. Presence <laughs> is actually a psychological thing. Where are you paying full attention to her when you're with her? Are you thinking about yourself or are you thinking, are you thinking um, in an empathic way to figure out what she's thinking and feeling? Right? So being fully in the moment, that has to be part of your dating um, and relationship life if you want it to succeed. Presence. A lot of guys are not present. Like they're mm. not present normally. Like you have to force them to be present. Like you stick them in a race car and if they're not present, they're going to die. Like that's how, that's how you have to force them to be present. So I recommend to a lot of guys to practice meditation, even just for this, just for presence. Because mindfulness meditation as a specific type of meditation is like pure presence. You're just basically practicing being fully engaged in the moment, feeling the breath go through your nose, right? And you're attuning to your nose hairs as they move because mm -hmm. of the breath and, and the, the sensation of whatever the, the air is on your skin and things like that. that. That'll keep you rooted and grounded. And when you're with somebody, you can actually seduce somebody and get their attention just through being present because it's so rare. So <clears throat> even as a narcissistic device, <laughs> one of the reasons why seducers are so um, attractive to people is because at the moment at which they're engaged with the other party, they're fully present. So James Bond, when he's at the bar and he's talking to this woman, he's, it's going to be like his, his eyes are locked in on her and nothing else matters in that moment. And that's part of the reason why he's, he's uh, such an, it's so easy to believe that that character is attractive. Yeah, that's hot. That, that's like, you know, putting on that charm when they're that yes. present and they're all into you and nothing else. You feel like extra special. Like you really matter in that moment to that, to that man. 
Yes. And, and that's the way to, to allow a woman to feel that she's understood. It's not that you're repeating back to her what she said or these other communication techniques, which can help. But the, the real way to do it is just to pay cl- like full present attention to her. And whenever you do that, even if you disagree, the other person will still feel like you, you got me, like you, you, you can feel what I'm feeling. You, know, you, you actually understand me. So presence is, is the first step. And then the other one is polarity. Mm-hmm. So I'm, it, actually, I'm actually I'm making notes right now. I really hope that. Oh, cool! <laughs> Thanks. They're making notes because I'm like, wow, this is like some profound stuff. So, cool. press, then, so now polarity. Polarity, yes. In fact, just to put it out there, I have a free masterclass on presence and polarity uh, in uh, my masterclass suite. So, if they go to my site, davidtmphd.com, and they go through this quiz, everyone will end up getting access to this collection that has. Um, the masterclass on how to make your relationship passionate. But polarity is the key to passion because over time you start to become like those that you associate with, right? So over time you become more and more alike. And especially if you live together, the tendency will be that you become best friends or close friends, right? Mm -hmm. And that the polarity that was there at the beginning of the relationship starts to die down because you become so alike and so familiar with each other and you start doing everything together, right? So this doesn't allow the guy to be a guy or the girl to have her girl time, you know, and bond with women because actually the studies have shown that women have other needs that are met by their female friends that are best met by their female friends, right? So you should encourage your woman to go out and have her girl time, you know, and not just monopolize all of each other's time. Mm. Continue to do the things that you enjoyed doing before you got into this relationship. Mm-hmm. So that's a big part of it. If the man is not in his masculine energy, it is not growing that when he comes to the relationship, to the pairing of the, the coupling, <clears throat> then he's, it's just going to be a depolarized relationship. And when it's, when it's depolarized, there's no electricity. So you got to have the plus or the minus to make it happen. So it's so, like if, if people don't take that time to like go out with their own friends and socialize, talk about whatever they want to talk about, it kind of suffocates the relationship and then that spark yeah. kind of dies. So they need that healthy space. Yeah, especially especially women, because there's a there's a, a, a way of communicating. And when you're a feminine woman that men generally aren't uh, naturally attuned to like they're. <clears throat> They're, they're not going to want to talk about it or go deep in those particular issues unless you want to depolarize your man, unless you want to turn your man into like your girlfriend. You know, that, <laughs> that happens too, right? So, but that, that's part of, the, part of that quote that, I, that you quoted earlier about um, how the problems in the relationship are firstly problems in the person. Because if a, if a man is not actually very comfortable in his masculinity, but he pretends to be for a short time like in the bar, and she's into that because he's putting on this temporary act. Mm-hmm. And then he gets in a relationship. She gets into that. And then a few months in, he's like, cool, I got her. Now I'm going to go back to playing video games and just being a small Oh, my Lord. This and, happens a yeah. lot. Yes, this yeah. happens a lot. <laughs> I'm going to let myself go because I got the girl now. Right? He stops going to the gym and, and stops growing as a person and as a, in his masculine energy. Then it's, that's, it's going to guarantee that that relationship will either be a life of quiet desperation or it will dissolve. Because the polarity won't be there. So you've got to keep that, you've got to make that a part of yourself, even apart from the relationship. No matter what relationship you get into in the future, you've got to be that part. That, that if you are at your core masculine, then you want to grow your masculine energy. You know, that's good for you, for you succeeding in life, for your happiness. And the same with the women, right? So if you feel that you are feminine at your core, um, then, then stay comfortable with that energy and, and seek to grow it. So that when you come into a relationship, the tendency will be to depolarize each other over time. You become more and more alike. So the masculine will become less masculine. The feminine will become less feminine. You'll meet in the middle. So you've got to take active efforts to apart from each other to grow those those parts of you. Wow. I think I've never I've never I've never heard anyone put it quite like that. I mean, that's some pretty profound stuff. Wow. Hmm. Right. Well, I looked through your archive of podcasts and you, you had one on archetypes. And yes. I believe there are feminine and masculine archetypes as well that are part of like probably part of our DNA. They've been passed down for so many thousands of years or tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years that they're just 
they're so evolutionarily adaptive that they would get passed down. And one of them is for the men, the warrior. There's a warrior in all men who are at their core masculine. And a lot of times they just let that part die when they're in a relationship. And one easy way is to not go to the gym or work out or push yourself or challenge yourself physically anymore. That's an easy one to go. And then, and then there's a, a part of them that's the king, like the sort of sovereign entity in them. And these are all parts of you that are equally you. Um, but if you don't activate them, or if you don't um, like live in those energies on a consistent basis, they'll just become inaccessible. So I, actually, I have a whole course on this. <laughs> it's called CORE, uh, C-O-R-E. And awesome. in CORE, I walk you through a step-by-step process of how to um, reignite the masculine energy in you. That's amazing. I'm, my mind is still like uh, stuck on this whole uh, um, presence and polarity. Like I've never heard anyone out there quite put it like that, where you, both people kind of polarize their energies, where they kind of meet in the middle, like this yin and yang type concept. Like, yes. are you gonna are you gonna write a book one day on all these things? Yes. If you haven't already. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on that. Yeah, the book is a lot harder than articles, <laughs> but yes, I'm working on a book. So yeah, the. It goes so far back in history, right? You can see this is part of um, Asian Asian history, Asian civilization, Asian philosophy, uh, as well as, as uh, Greco-Roman and uh, Indian. Um, I mean, you just see it in all of human civilization, the, the records there. So this is a, these are very old ideas. That's why I believe that these archetypes are, like Jung says, they're part of the collective unconscious. And I can just naturalize that for myself to mean it's just part of our DNA. It's part of what our inheritance from our ancestors. Yes. So going forward uh, or deeper into the conversation, into the realm of relationships, like you have this amazing quote on your wall that I also want to read out. So you said long-term love relationships are artificial constructs imposed on our evolutionary biology, but they can also be the source of our greatest joy and fulfillment. So what exactly did you mean by that? Yes. So a big part of this book project I'm working on is I'm speaking to men. And a lot of them, as I said, have become bitter about the dating scene and um, the, the effects of radical feminism. And they say, well, look, we weren't I feel like we're not evolved to be monogamous, which maybe which I think is probably true. I think I don't think we're evolved to to lead the lives that we're leading right now. I don't think we're evolved to live 100 years. Like evo- the, the pace of evolution is like 100,000 years. Like if a mutation is introduced into a population, a human population, it would normally take 50,000 to 100,000 years for that to spread to the majority of the population, right? Wow. But the pace of change in the past 100 years is insane. It's exponentially growing, like, our, like the size of our hard drives. Right? So <laughs> yeah. It just keeps exploding, right? Every year it doubles. And we're not evolved for any of this. We're not evolved to say no to Krispy Kreme donuts either, right? We're not evolved for a lot of things. But they're just so hooked on this evolution idea that um, whatever we're evolved for, that's good. So you see this in the, like, the fitness diets, like paleo and things like that. Like, I love paleo diets, by the way. I'm just saying this is bad. But they're saying <clears throat> part of it is whatever's natural is good. And I'm here to challenge that. Like, no, uh, the na- what's natural is not necessarily good. There's mm-hmm. a lot of bad stuff that happens as a part of nature. Um, as Stephen Jay Gould would say, it's like we are, uh, evolution is red in tooth and claw. We're the result of killing, okay? And we happen to be the survival, we're the result of the fittest, right? The survival of the fittest. It's that Not natural selection of the type of theory. Right, yeah, that's how yeah. evolution works. The stronger survive. Mm-hmm. It's not like the, the nicest survive or the good survive or the happiest survive. We're not evolved to be happy. We're only evolved to survive and replicate. Mm-hmm. And part of that is, yeah, you should, you'd have a lot more replication if you had a lot of mates. So we're evolved. I think the science is pretty clear. We're evolved to pair bonds, which is to emotionally attach to the, cup, to the, um, the other mate as long as, long enough to get your children walking and talking so they can communicate with others in the tribe. You know, mm-hmm. so like, I'm hungry or I'm hurt. And after that, you don't really need to have that pair bond, like from an evolutionary standpoint. That does not mean that if you just follow the dictates of your nature, that you'll be happy. Like one mm-hmm. of the reasons you're very unhappy is because you're trying to f- just follow the dictates of your nature. Because if you did that in, in uh, fitness, you just eat whatever you wanted whenever you were hungry. And that's a bad recipe. That's a recipe for like, bad <laughs> health, right? Yeah. 
And they're trying to do that. They're like, oh, a lot of dudes are like, man, I don't think uh, monogamous or not even just monogamy, but just like getting into a relationship. I don't think that's natural. And part of it is like, it doesn't really matter what is natural. Let's not get caught up in the scientific argument. And I'll even concede that to them. Okay, I can see the arguments for that, for this not being the, the most evolutionarily adaptive strategy. Not when, we're grow- not when we live this long. Like it, it would be if we died at 40 which is a life expectancy for even adjusted for child, child deaths, the life expectancy for almost all of human history until the last, what, 70, 80 years. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you now doubled or even it looks like we're going to be tripling our expected lifespan or life expectancy. We're not evolved for that. And however, uh, we have these emotional needs that especially when you extend them over years and years, like a very long uh, time span that, if those needs aren't met, you will be incredibly dissatisfied and um, have no fulfillment in life. Do you yeah, want so it's that? Like, it's like going beyond, going beyond, like you said, the natural program to just like find a mate, connect, procreate, and then move on to the next mate. It's like it's yeah. the soul seems to need more than that. It needs more of a bond. It needs more of an emotional depth. Yes, absolutely. Right. So these guys are just like sex, sex, sex. Let me just get as much of that as I want. And then they fall in love. <laughs> and they're not prepared for that, right? It's they're like, what is this thing? I hate this feeling. I'm not in control. And yeah. whenever you know, she doesn't reply, I, get, I, I feel so bad and I hate this. And then when they get their hearts broken, they're like, well, screw this. This was never meant to be. And I'm like, well, you can have all the sex you want, but you're going to be pretty unsatisfied at the end of it. You know, these are just going to be momentary things. It's like yeah. if you're trying to make your life all about eating ice cream, you're going to have a bad body and you're going to be pretty dissatisfied in life. Yes. So that's what that quote is getting at. Like you eventually there's a, you come to a point where you see that just more sex is not going to make your life any better. And now you've got to figure out how to get those needs, the other needs met, the higher needs of love and connection of contribution and growth and significance and, and these things met and the best way to meet them, the, the way that we are, actually naturally attuned to meet them even from childhood is through relationship mm-hmm. and if we don't figure that out you're just going to die um empty you know and, so and, and a lot of esoteric teachings they they say that some pretty much the greatest growth and evolution we're going to experience comes through relationships and and being each other's mirror you know, so that we can refine and and evolve. So we have 10 minutes left to close here, but what are some things that you can recommend people to help keep their relationship passionate? Oh, right. So for, well, other than presence and polarity, which applies to both the men and the women, um, I can give three quick tips to the men and three quick ones to the women. How about that? Awesome. Awesome. Split up. Okay. <clears throat> so to the men, because uh, for my audience, they're mostly men. So I can help. So, so, Right away, a presence, right? So give her your presence. That's how she feels that she's understood. A lot of the problems are that she feels like she's not even understood. Uh, along with that is women often in a relationship feel like they're not seen. So this is where you're just busy with work. You come home, you flip on the telly, you know, you just go through the motions. And she's there physically in the room or the house with you. But you're not giving her your attention. And especially if you have a daughter or young woman, that's how you get her to flower in her feminine energy, just look, watching her as she dances for daddy or whatever, you know, with her new dress or something, giving her your attention. And that's the same with uh, feminine women as in adulthood, because otherwise she will feel unseen. And then finally is this is going to kill the dudes, but give her your reassurance. Like she needs mm. to hear it more than once. Yes. <laughs> right? so like, don't feel like I already, t- I already said this. Like, why do I have to keep saying this? Yes, I love you. Like that sort of thing. Right. Um, the feminine thrives on reassurance because otherwise she feels unsafe, like she can't trust you. So when the feminine energy is asking for you to say it again, or it's for you to put her arms around you or whatever, again, that's not because she's super needy. It's because she's testing to see whether she can still trust you, whether she can still rely on you and count on you. Yeah. And they're they're looking for consistency. They want, they want to be consistent, not on one day, off the next day and blah, blah, blah. It's like really unsettling energy to be temporary. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And for, for the men, real quick. So um, three C's. So what else? Uh, sorry, for the women, three C's for the men. Uh, a man will shut down if he feels like he's being criticized or or you're closed to him or you're controlling him. 
So, so the easiest way to get a guy to be strong and take leadership in his masculine energy and to recover that polarity is to do the opposite. So instead of criticizing him all the time, start with what you admire or appreciate, or just look for things throughout the day that you can admire and appreciate and try to balance out the criticism because he's like a little boy in a way, right? Like if you just criticize the child, they'll just get down on themselves and it'll be like this shameful thing, this blanket criticism about who they are as people, right? Not, not that you're criticizing their behavior, which is what you really should be doing or criticizing something that they're doing, not the person, but the, the man will think, will, will hear it as a blanket criticism of himself. This applies to women as well, but mm-hmm. it seems like the masculine energy is hyper attuned to this. So instead just start, like try to look for ways of admiring and appreciating first and foremost, that'll get him to, 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 to take that pride in himself. Right. And so, Try not to criticize him uh, like just by itself. And the second is if you close up on him. So in other words, if in a dispute or in an argument, you just go passive aggressive, like you just stonewall or you just turn and just, just you just go blank. And I've, I've seen that as a way of like, I'm not even going to deal with it, partly because women generally aren't as aggressive in their confrontational style. Mm-hmm. Right? Like men, especially dudes who are friends around beer they'll just start getting in getting at it like they don't and then at the end of this great argument that looks like they're going to beat each other up (laughs) they like hug you know like that's just a masculine way of communicating sometimes and and maybe for women that's that gets too close to actual physical violence right so they that's too scary for them so i think what one way that the feminine will voice her criticism is by just closing down but you're not as a woman you're not going to get anywhere with your man like that Mm -hmm. he'll just feel completely rejected and it'll eat in like maybe that's what you want him to feel. And but it'll I'm sure I'm sure that is the case for a yeah, lot of women. Like, Good. <laughs> <laughs> but the way to actually get him to come around is for you to be open and playful. So in a disagree in an argument, one of the best things you can do to a guy is to actually be playful with him. If you're a woman, like just to hug him or or just like play like just kind of change the mood with something playful. He will take you seriously. The, the issue isn't that you're trying to win an argument. He's like just in the wrong mood and you've got to change the mood first. So if you're, yes. feeling, if he feels like you're closed, you're not, nothing, it's not going to get anywhere. So just address that first, open up, be more playful and try to do that throughout the day. He's going to be, you know, a lot more um, in the, like in a conciliatory mood through the yeah, day. Yeah. It's like more receptive to what you're trying to communicate. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. You'll be more receptive. Oh my Lord. Finally, Every, everything you said is like, is, is so, <laughs> it's so on point. <laughs> if uh, and then finally, if you are as a woman trying to control him, if he feels like he's controlled, like a little boy, like he can't do this and he has to do this other thing, if he feels like you're bossing him around, that's a great way to just take his balls right away from him. Like you just might as well take his balls, put him in a box, and lock him up. <laughs> so if you want him to step up and be a man and actually get his part, his chores done on his own, and take responsibility for all that, and you know, step up, um, you have to paradoxically give him freedom give him freedom and love and that's where i was going back to like in polarity give each other time to apart from each other to grow your respective energies and that's got to be the same like don't be when he's out with his buddies don't be the one who texts him every hour you know like take a photo of where you are i don't trust you you know you're just basically you're in front of his buddies, he's going to have to cut his balls off, right? It's like, mm. you know, let him feel like a man. Give him freedom. Because what will happen is if you allow him that freedom, that's the only way that that's a prerequisite for him to come back around. And if you're worried that he's going to step out on you, he's going to do it anyway. In fact, the more you control him, either you're going to take his, all his, his masculine energy away or he's going to do it on the sly and it's going to be a lot worse. So give him this freedom. And if you give them free will... <laughs> Uh, that's where you'll find that he's going to come back with, with love. That's actually the only way you cannot control love. You cannot Mm -hmm. coerce it. You can't force it to happen. And I I know people in relationships, when things start to get out of hand, the weaker party will do that. They'll try to enforce these rules and control. And, um, that's, that's the beginning of the slippery slope down. So give them that freedom and do the other, the other things, admire and appreciate, be open and playful and, and watch him grow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh my goodness! This is this That's was like this this was so <laughs> profound. <laughs> like mm-hmm. now, I feel like I have to go back to your website now and really 
like dive deep and into a lot more of your material like you have so much to offer people it's it's incredible i'm so happy that that we connected and that you shared some of your wisdom here today like this was totally awesome oh great well thanks so much yeah i have courses for for, women um, and men so yeah yeah so tell tell them quickly a little bit more about that we have like like a minute or two left like how what programs do you have available on your website and yeah what's Mm -hmm. the procedure for all that so yeah, so I'd, so I'd recommend you go to davidtnphd.com and then you go to the menu at the top and you'll see uh, online courses. And there's a new collection that we've just put out that's called Total Transformation Collection. And it's for women and men. And it comprises four courses. Uh, one is um, Heart, I, which I mentioned earlier, on figuring out what your needs are and how to meet them in healthy ways and how to stop trying to meet them in unhealthy ways and um, to kill the cycle of neediness. So that's Heart. And then another one on drive. So a lot of people, especially younger uh, millennials, have trouble figuring out, like finding motivation and um, getting that drive in life to go and conquer it, get get after it, right? So drive is all about getting you to encounter your future selves if you didn't get your act together. And just sort of like seeing that as a real existential reality for you in the future. And um, and then so that, that'll propel you forward. So you have intrinsic um, desire to do the things that you, you know you ought to do. And then the third is uh, purpose, how to find your life purpose. I think that's pretty self-explanatory, but mm-hmm. once you find your life purpose, the passion, all that just clicks together. And then finally, uh, true self, how to get in touch with your true self and have your true self lead your life. And um, that's probably the, the, the culmination. So I, I re- actually recommend people do it in that particular order. And uh, the true self brings it all together. So that's all in the Total Transformation Collection and it's uh, one of our more, most inexpensive courses. I'm trying to make it available as, to as many people as possible. So um, you can find that on uh, davidtnphd.com. And again, like, uh, where else could they follow you besides uh, going on to your, uh, your website? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm trying to be all over and uh, spreading my team pretty thin on that. So our, my Instagram is, uh, I think it's davidtnphd as the username. Yes. Um, and uh, we have a, a YouTube channel where we crank out, uh, well, we have two podcasts. One is called Man Up, and the other is DTPHD. Oh, podcast. wow, I got to check that out. And the D, so the Man Up one is for masculine issues for men, and then the DTPHD podcast is, our motto is uh, uh, truth, love, and the good. <laughs> so anything around those issues uh, is pretty broad, um, but we, we look at um, issues around how to be more successful, but also how to find happiness and fulfillment and love in life. Um, so we've got that. And those are on all of the different podcast uh, networks and platforms, as well as on YouTube in video format. Wow. This this has been like such an amazing program today. It's definitely like one of my favorites. Like you're awesome. I appreciate all your work. I support it 100%. And again, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us here today. Oh, my pleasure and honor. Thank you. So I guess that concludes today's program. If you want to find this program, again, go to caleb.com slash podcast. I will upload this as, as soon as it's available to me. Uh, and you can subscribe uh, to uh, whatever podcast channels you have so you can download it and listen to it. And you can find me on Instagram at Caleb Truth and on Facebook at Caleb Truth, on Twitter at Caleb Truth. And yeah, apart from that, I wish you all lots of love, lots of light, courage to take on your life with full passion and full purpose and full awareness. And we will see you back here next week uh, on InLightRadio.com. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you.